Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened the Bible or read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Our topic today is going to be the Valley of the Dry Bones. Let's begin in Ezekiel chapter 37. In Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in the first verse, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and will cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I the Lord have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. This is a very important chapter in Scripture. There is a lot of deeper meaning in this chapter that we need to unpack. The first thing that we need to look at is the first verse, where Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. This verse shows us that Ezekiel was anointed of God and had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. This tells us that he was chosen and set apart by God because the hand of the Lord wasn't and isn't on everyone. The next part of the verse is Ezekiel saying, And carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down. This part of the verse follows the foundation that he was anointed and chosen of God and shows that because he was anointed, God placed him exactly where he wanted him 
for that specific time. Everything in life has its proper time and place. And when we are faithfully serving God and following His direction for our lives, He allows us to be at the right place at the right time. Then the last part of the verse, which is key, is where God chose to place Him. It says, In the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. In the second verse, we find that the bones are very dry. Then in verse 3, God asks Ezekiel a question. He asks him, Can these bones live? This is a very strange question. Not only is he in a totally unknown place, but also God is asking him a question that it would be impossible for him to answer. Then in the next three verses, the Lord commands Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones and promises to breathe new life into them. Although it may not seem to be the case at first glance, there is a lot that we can learn from this chapter and a lot that we can apply in our own lives. Like Ezekiel, we are anointed and chosen of God. That's why we're listening to this program today. God put you at the right place and at the right time. The major difference between us and Ezekiel is when it comes to the Spirit. It says the Spirit was upon him. This was because he was living under the Old Covenant, before the Holy Spirit was sent to be our comforter and dwell within us. Now, because we are living under the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit is not only upon us, but is also within us, which allows us to be completely influenced by the Spirit, body, soul, and spirit, in a way that wasn't available back then. As we saw earlier, understanding we're anointed and chosen by God and have the Spirit dwelling within us lays the foundation. Once we're born again and have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, He leads us and He guides us in the way that He would have us to go. And He places us where He wants us at the time that He wants us there. And this is only if we follow His direction. John 16, 13 says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. The Spirit will lead us into a valley of bones. The Hebrew word used for bones is etzim, meaning bones, substance, or self. When God tells you to do something, or when you have a dream in life, or aspirations, God gives you the substance. He gives you the elements, everything that you need for these things to come to pass. But it never automatically comes to pass. God only gives us the substance. He gives us what we need, but then we must take that substance and do something with it. And the way that we do this is by acting in faith and by putting forth an effort. We also need to prophesy to the bones. Mark 11.23 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. The same way that we speak to the mounds and the problems in our lives, we also need to speak to the substance that God has given us. We need to tell it what it's going to be. We need to speak it into existence. Our words have more power than we could ever think. When we speak to the substance, our faith is activated. And once we've done our part, God will do His. The old saying says, God helps them that help themselves. When God does his part, he breathes on his word and causes it to manifest. He breathes on our dreams and causes them to come to pass. And he brings the desires of our heart to life. This is why the Lord asks, can these bones live? 
He is asking if we are going to put forth the effort to make something out of the substance, and if we are going to trust him in faith to bless our effort and to breathe life upon our substance so that it can become something great for the glory of God. This is how this chapter applies to our everyday lives as individuals. But we also need to look at what it means for our nation, no matter what country we find ourselves in. For this lesson, we will use America as an example. Within this chapter, there is not only a message for Israel, there is also a message for America that we must consider. We know that the hand of the Lord is on America. He has anointed us and chosen us to be His people, much like He did with Israel. The only two nations dedicated to God at their birth were Israel and America. In America's case, it was done at the Trinity Church in New York City, following George Washington's first inauguration as president. We as a people made a covenant with God, and through the years, God has honored us and protected us and blessed us because of it. God's hand has always been on America and always will be, and this, like earlier, is the foundation for this portion of our study. As we saw earlier, the Hebrew word used for bones is etzim, meaning bone, substance, or self. When it's used in the plural form, as we find it here in verse 1, it represents the entire person, one's whole being, especially of the personified Israel, including its physical and moral aspects. We see from this that the mention of bones here is representing Israel. We also find in this chapter that the bones were dry. This makes a difference. The word used for dry is the Hebrew word yabesh, which means to be dry, dried up or withered. And Strong's Concordance goes on further to say that it means to be ashamed, confused, or disappointed. It also says that they were very dry, meaning that they were exceedingly, greatly, and intensely dry. Verse 11 says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. There are three key elements here. One is that our bones are dried. Two is that our hope is lost, and three is that we are cut off. We need to take a closer look at each of these. Bones means substance, or self, and dry, meaning ashamed, confused, and disappointed, is what we find happening today. People all across the country are ashamed. For the second time in our history, we've lost a war. People are confused about everything taking place in the world around them, and they're disappointed at the way that things are going. A lot has changed in a short period of time. And now people are searching for answers. The second element is our hope is lost. Other versions of the Bible translate the same verse as our hope is perished. The word for lost or perished is abad, meaning to perish. The concordance goes on further to say it means to wander away, to lose oneself, by implication to perish. We both as individuals and together as a country have wandered away from our God. And because we fail to know our God, We in turn have failed to know ourselves, and we have begun to lose ourselves. Our true identity is only found in the God who created us and made us who we are. Our nation is going through an identity crisis because we've left and we've wandered away from the God who made us and set us apart as the unique and exceptional nation that we are. We've allowed our nation's relationship with God to begin to wither away, and because of this our hope has perished because hope by nature cannot exist where God is not present. We as a nation have lost our hope because we allowed ourselves to lose our connection with God. The last element is we are cut off. The Hebrew word used for cut off is gazar, 
meaning to cut or to divide. We today are a divided country. We find any excuse to divide ourselves in new and different ways. We're divided in innumerable ways. And as we saw last week when we spoke about unity, division is part of the plan of the enemy. The enemy seeks to keep us divided because divided we are weak, but united we become strong. Our strength and our power is found in our unity, both as Christians in the body of Christ and as people in America. Although we need unity, the devil has encouraged division throughout our country and throughout the world. Over the course of many years, and through its subtlety, we have allowed division to slowly seep into every area of our national life. We can see that these three elements together give a stark and accurate depiction of modern-day America. This is the state of our nation as we find it today. We're ashamed, we're confused, we're disappointed, we're hopeless, and we're divided. And this is not only the case in the United States, but we find these same attributes being manifested across many nations right now all across the world. And this is the way things are right now, but this is not the way that they have to stay. God has given us the power and the ability to change things if we are only willing to act and to follow His commands. The first way that we can act is by prophesying and speaking things into existence through faith, even if it doesn't seem like it's possible or likely in the natural. Faith calls things that are not as though they were. And verse 4, the Lord said, Prophesy upon these bones. We need to prophesy to our nation. The same way that we speak to the mound, we need to speak to the country and tell it what we desire to see happen in it. When we speak things into existence, we activate the forces of the spiritual realm to bring these things to pass. Verse 9 says, Prophesy unto the wind. In many other versions of the Bible, wind is translated as breath. The word used for wind in Hebrew is the word ruach, which means breath, wind, or spirit. This word is many times used to refer to the Spirit of God. When we're praying and communing with God, we need to prophesy about what we desire to see take place and trust God in faith to bring it to pass. What better time to do so than when we are speaking to God Himself? We must speak what we want to see. The second way that we can act is by living, spreading, and standing on the Word of God. The way to combat dryness is through moisture. We need to immerse ourselves and our land in living water and in the water of the Word of God. When the Word of God is truly lived out, it becomes contagious and it spreads. If America, or any other nation, is ever to come out of the valley of dry bones that we are currently in, we need to be cleansed and renewed by the Word of God. We need our people and our nation to know the Word and to live by it. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, beginning in the 15th verse, it says, And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Over some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. 
For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and have determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Forasmuch then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent." Verse 23 is very important related to the third way that we can act. Athens, much like America today, worshipped God in an outward, detached, and a pretentious way, but wasn't worshipping the true God from their heart in the true inward way, in spirit and in truth. Matthew 15 and 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This was the case both with Athens and now with America today. We've worshipped God from our mouths, but not from our hearts. This is where we really have gone wrong. Verse 23 especially gives us a deeper insight into this. It says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, declare I unto you. The key word here is unknown. The Greek word used for unknown is agnostos, which is where we get the English word agnostic from. It means unknown and originates from the word genosko. Genosko means to come to know, to recognize, to perceive, to take in knowledge, to learn, to ascertain, to realize. Strong's Concordance goes on further to say it means to know, especially through personal experience and firsthand acquaintance, to experientially know. We, as America, cannot content ourselves with worshiping an unknown God. We need to know who we are worshiping. We need to have a personal relationship with Him, both on the individual and on the national levels. In Ezekiel 37 and 1, Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. The Hebrew word for Lord used here is Jehovah, which Strong's Concordance says is the Jewish national name of God. Ezekiel addressed God not just as his personal Lord, but also as the Lord of his nation, the Lord of Israel. This makes a big difference. If we are ever to come out of the valley of dry bones, we must recognize him as our Lord, and we must also recognize him as the Lord of our nation, the Lord of America, and the Lord of whatever nation you find yourself in today. When we as a nation return to him, and recognize him as the God of America, he will not leave us stranded to die and to wither away in the valley. He will bring us through it, and he will bring us out of it. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Ezekiel said in verse 2, And cause me to pass them round about. This phrase is the Hebrew word abar, meaning to pass over, to pass through, to pass by, to pass on. It's not God's will for us to get stuck in the valley. He wants to bring us through the valley and up to the mountaintop. Not only does he bring us out to bring us into something better, but Ezekiel said in verse 1, and set me down in the midst of the valley. The term set me down in Hebrew means to cause to rest. So while America and while the world is in the midst of the valley of dry bones, God has not only promised to bring us out of it, he will also give us rest in the midst of it. Once we have played our part as a nation and as individuals, God will play his, and we will receive the promises that he has promised us. Ezekiel 37, 12-14 say, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. God will restore us, and he will restore our country. But we must act in faith and use the substance that he has given us. When we do, he will bless our works and he will prosper them. And we will not only see our individual dreams and our aspirations come to pass, but we will also see our nation's purpose and mission unfold before us. God has called us, both as individuals and as a country, and we need to walk faithfully in that calling. Our best days are still ahead of us. They're not behind us. If we make the choice to walk by faith through the valley of dry bones. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation from your word. Lord, we thank you that even in the valley of dry bones, that you have not left us there to wither and to die, but that you have called us according to your purpose, that you have anointed us, that you set us apart and placed your hand upon us. And Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us out of the culture and the nations that we find ourselves in, and that you have made us a special people unto yourself. And Lord, as individuals and also as a nation, Lord, we renew our dedication to you and our relationship to you, Lord. And no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what country in the world we're in right now, Lord God, give us the strength and the wisdom and the courage to start change on the individual level so that it can manifest outwardly on the national level. We desire to come to you. We desire to turn to you and give all of ourselves to you. And we desire the same for our nations, Lord God. We want our people to come with us, to come to your throne and to worship you in adoration and love and praise. And Lord, we give all of ourselves to you. And we trust that we will make it through the valley. And we will be stronger and wiser because of it. And Lord, we thank you for your word that will bring the moisture to turn these dry bones into living bones again. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to walk by faith through the valley and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven 
and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.